Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast, The Local Resource. This is your host and creator, Allison. On today's episode, we have Kim. Kim is a longtime resident and owns her own real estate company for the greater Boston area. In addition to owning her own company, Kim is a PE and health teacher and a mom of three active boys. Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Allison. I appreciate you taking the time to interview me, and I'm excited to be here today. We're excited to have you here. I mean, I follow you on Instagram, and I really just love all your posts, all your motivational posts. It helps me during the day when I kind of wake up, and it's like, it feels like Groundhog Day every day, as you know. Um, With that said, you know, just reading your motivational posts, I'm like, okay, I can get up and do the Groundhog Day again. So thank you. I appreciate all the motivation you're sending out to the world. I love that. I always feel like too, what you put out comes back to you tenfold. Um, So even the days that you're not feeling so good, if you put positivity out there, it's going to come back to you and it will turn around your day. (laughs) It does. And you know, it's funny, social media gets this rep of being so negative. So it's always nice to just see someone's post about taking on the day, being an active person, just be motivated. So I appreciate all your posts. And I'm sure everyone else who's following, it's nice to just see passing on those positive um, messages. So thank you. Thank you. So Kim, do you mind just talking about your history, what you have in Stoneham? Yeah. So I live in Stoneham. Those of you that are listening that are local, I was brought up and still live in the Robin Hood area. I've been here 48 years, giving away my age here. And it's funny because living in a small town, it's amazing, especially in New England and specifically this area, how many people don't leave compared to other parts of the country, there's not a ton of transplants. And even within these small towns and cities, so many, like, and I've gotten to know, not just the people I grew up with and, you know, the neighbors that I grew up with as a kid, but having three kids in the town and the families that I've met and reconnected with people that I went to elementary school with, high school with. And even when I heard from you about the interview, we discovered that I graduated with your brother. So it's amazing just the layers of generations that have stayed local. Um, like I said, I grew up in Stoneham. I, um, it was an amazing experience for me. I believe it or not, I'm still friends with like the six girls that I went to kindergarten with at Robin Hood. And all these years later, they're my closest friends. And it's just one of those, you know, I, I just love this town, not just for the people in it, but what the town can offer. Um, when I was growing up, the school and the education that I got here in Stoneham has served me well. I went on to go get a bachelor in business from Westfield State, and then I went on from there and got an MBA for Northeastern. And I do credit the teachers and the education that I had in Stoneham that laid the groundwork for that. And just the influence of the kids that I grew up with, not just academically, but sports-wise too. I grew up in town playing soccer. I was actually on the first girls soccer team ever at Stoneham High School, believe it or not. Um, Alan Roche was the coach and Sharon Chapman took over for him. And she's still there going strong, many titles under her belt now. And I also ran track and danced locally at the dance studio of Wakefield, where I got to know just not some girls that weren't in my grade here in Stoneham, but some of the girls in Wakefield and still to this day, I'm friends with a lot of them. And um, it was a great opportunity, you know, outside the classroom and the fields to just expand as an individual and learn how to express myself. And just, I always say too, like every experience you have in life prepares you for what the next thing is to come. So you might not understand it in the moment or be like, what am I doing? What am I getting out of this? And then you look back and you're like, oh, okay. I just, I should have brought it up here um, to the room that I'm doing this podcast in, but I just opened up a fortune cookie and the fortune cookie said something like if, you know, we try and look at the future and it makes no sense. But when we look at the playback, it's crystal clear. And that's so true in life. And um, even just this podcast for both of us, whether it's us putting each other in touch with someone that we're supposed to talk to, like it is amazing how experiences, you know, lead you to that next thing that you're supposed to be doing or whose life is that you're supposed to be in. But going back to Stoneham, I can't say enough about the community and the location. I love that we are like in the Four Clover, that you can jump on 93, 95, go in the city, go up to the mountains, the ocean. It's just an awesome location to grow up in. It has a ton to offer. I totally agree. You know, it's funny that you say people who grew up here kind of come back to here. The way I, when I went to college, people didn't really know of Stoneham. They just fly by it to go to Boston or New Hampshire. And it's funny. They're like, what's Stoneham like? Well, it's, I'm like, it's a small town, but it's big. Like, it's a lot of people fit into this small yeah. radius. And I was like, think of the show Gilmore Girls, Stars Hollow. Everyone knows each other. There's always something going on. Everyone knows each other's business, which is great because 
then your neighborhood is your family. And um, a lot of kids younger than me or older than me or my grade left. But when I came back and when Facebook was a huge thing, I noticed that everyone ended up with each other from Stoneham. It was just so interesting. My friend and my, me, my friend were talking about it. He's like, you know, I was going to, I wanted to leave Stoneham. I wanted to do this and I ended up marrying and now I live in Stoneham and married a Stoneham girl. And it's just so funny when you look back and you think about everybody and all your dreams. And it's awesome that you had this dream to get away, but somehow we all end up back to our home. And, um, you know, it's just, Stoneham's a great town and, you know, just being here for so long and kind of growing up and maturing in this area, you, you're right. The, the support and the people in Stoneham make what it is. And I think that's why I haven't left. Sure. Not just that my family's here, but I think in general, just the town itself, the feel or the environment, it's just something special. And I can even remember a mom, I won't name who it is, um, her kids are similar ages to mine, one day at the soccer field sing to me, and she didn't grow up too far from here, about 20 minutes, and she married a Stoneham um, person, and she said, I just can't believe how friendly this community is, like everybody knows everybody, it's like six degrees of separation, and it is one of those environments, like my college friends and different people will say to me, oh my gosh, you're so lucky like we have group texts in the neighborhood and it's like, it could be like 11 o'clock at night. Does anybody have a tea bag? I ran out of sugar. I need a fourth of cup to like complete this recipe. Like, can you drive my kids to school today? Like it's one of those neighborhoods that it is something that you'd see back in a, um, a TV show from like the seventies of eight or eighties. Like, I don't think that that's common in other towns and cities or even other areas in new England, but it is that home roots. Like I made all this food and have leftover chili, a huge pot. Does anybody need dinner tonight? Like, I mean, it's priceless when you can live in an environment like that. I almost feel like my neighbors are an extension of my family. It's, and it's been a blessing. It's really been a blessing. Yeah. And even just the schools, unfortunately with Carino passing, it kind of shows the schools themselves, like you said, the teachers and the impact um, that Stoneham had teachers had of have and had on their children. It's incredible the the loyalty and the honor that they bring to the public schools and how they educate us. And being a small town, of course, the financial piece is tough, but they still do everything they can. And you know, I've noticed on Facebook or in the groups on Facebook, teachers are there. They're friends with you know, the parents, they're always willing to support and give them the news and the updates and the parents support the teachers. Absolutely. And I just got the chills when you brought up Carino, because one of my mottos in life is your legacy is every life you touch. And I really got the chills when you said that because Carino was at the high school when I went and I graduated in 1990. And here we are, right? 2021. The dedication that that man gave, not just to the school, but the kids of this town, is unmatched and it's not just him there's many other teachers just like him in this town that it goes beyond being just a public school teacher you are called when you are a public school teacher to be a servant and it's it, like you, you and I talked to uh, before we got on here like it has to be a love and a calling um but it is so true the relationships I always say like you won't remember um what someone said to you but you'll remember how they made you feel right because there is that's the influence teachers have and that's what motivates kids to want to go in different career paths or believe in themselves it's not the material that you memorize out of a textbook that you remember from a teacher or you know the content it's how they made you feel in their classroom or their gymnasium whether or not you could succeed or and those are the gifts that the public school teachers give you know children and I believe all teachers like at the end of the day that's what it comes down to and it is so amazing because I could sit here and name off right off the bat, a dozen teachers that made a difference in my life. And it's who they were as people and how they lived their lives. And it's incredible that Stoneham, one thing I noticed about Stoneham teachers is that they stay. There's not a lot of turnover. And you notice that I didn't notice it when I was younger, but growing up now and, you know, having a child, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe all these teachers are still here. And having the chance to work in the public schools, I can see why they love being here and their reason for staying and their popularity and just the legacy that they're leaving. Um, there's not a lot of turnover. These teachers seem to be staying for quite some time and longer, even after the retirement. I know it's huge. And it is about the relationships. And I even think um, like even Pignone, that's the athletic director. Like I went to high school with him 
And then to see him, he actually, it's funny, I'm a PE and wellness teacher in Melrose. So he left and I went in. I think we just missed ships when that happened, when he came to Stoneham and I went to Melrose. And then just to see him flourish and become the athletic director, and now he's running for selectmen and like just wearing so many hats and being so successful in just how he's built the football program in Stoneham. And it's not just Stoneham varsity football. It's like taking these kids and we're a family and it's something bigger than that. And it was very eye-opening to me because none of my boys had played football until my middle son decided to play flag football in middle school. We were more hockey, basketball, baseball type family. So we're like, all right, let's do this. I was always one of those mothers like, let's put off football. Like the, you hear about the concussions and stuff. I guess it's no worse. Hockey is probably worse, right? And then when I got in this environment and I would be on the field at these flag football games and now my son's a junior um, and he's been playing um, varsity football, you know, under Pignon and everybody up there. I said to some of the parents of other sports teams, it is amazing it is more than football what's going on here. Like this is a family, whether you're the first time on the field as a first grader or you're a 12th grader and just to see the camaraderie and love and support that they all give one another. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, it, it was, it's amazing. It it like takes, it leaves me speechless because the program that he's built and the dedication, that's just one other person. We have, like you said, multiple people that do things like this throughout town is crazy. And I think that's the great part about Stoneham. Some people may think it's weird from other towns, but how our residents have multiple um, job titles in the town, I think that's a huge thing in regards to your resident, your family, your parent, you've been through the system, you've been through all of these experiences, and now you want to lead Stoneham in the way that, um, in a positive way. I think that's the greatest piece about Stoneham, that people, the residents play so many roles and building the town up and developing it for the better. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's like you said, I, I can't say enough about it. It's We're lucky to still be here, that's how I feel. <laughs> we are. Real estate market and the prices. I'm like, oh my gosh, our kids will never be able to afford this. Small little towns now become like, you know, it's, it's crazy what's going on with the real estate market. And just looking in the town that we both grew up in and what property values were like and what they are now. It's like, oh my gosh. So we are lucky to be here. We are. And then, you know, I think families are starting to come in more and more younger families. Like, and unfortunately the prices are tough, but I think they see the benefits of growing up in a town, um, raising your family in Stoneham. So hopefully fingers crossed the market kind of, I don't know, equalizes and something happens. But um in addition to being a teacher, you are an entrepreneur. I hear you wear many hats. Do you mind talking about your journey there? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I um, took a liking, a love to entrepreneurship at a young age. I grew up in a house. My dad was actually an Arlington police officer and he, you know, wore many hats as well. And so I didn't grow up in a house modeling or seeing a parent that worked nine to five. I just never grew up in that environment. So I'm not sure what it looks like. So I know I maybe drive my family crazy, but maybe one of them will follow in my footsteps. I don't know. Um, We just didn't grow up in a house that work was nine to five Monday through Friday. We grew up that work was part of your life every single day of the week. Um, And you could work at the phone could ring and you'd be out the door. So that's kind of the environment I grew up in. So my, um, my dad owned a real estate office called Associated Brokers back in the day. It was in Arlington. He was a broker owner of a real estate office. And um, he wore multiple hats. He bought and sold a lot of businesses. So he owned a moving company in Arlington. He owned a laundromat in Wakefield. He owned a bar slash pub in Somerville. He um, owned a water company called Fonte Viva. They used to be the water that you would get in Bertucci's restaurants back in the day, kind of like a Perrier. Um, And this would happen. And I remember even him selling residential real estate, going on appointments with him and watching him and being like, oh my gosh, you can have an idea. And this is why I kind of got into business. Like, and you can make it into anything you want. Like there's no limit. Like your, your brain is the limit, right? So I grew up, I can remember, it's so interesting. Like I remember being in the house um, and being like, I want to start my own business as a kid. What can I do? What can I do? And like, I started, I know this sounds crazy, like painting rocks, my point name is, and I knock on the doors and try and sell them rocks. And, um, and it was just like this cool thing. Like, I don't have to go work for someone. I can make my own money. Like, I love the idea of that. So, um, so I went out to Westfield and I majored in business there. I, 
I did work for like Dean Whittier um, out in Springfield and did some some work in the financial industry. And then after that, I worked for a company called Emergent and Epsilon. And I basically managed like multi-million dollar accounts, not-for-profits, Special Olympics, American Cancer Society. You and I were talking, I managed the Cardinals campaign for the Catholic Church, um, the greater um, Chicago Food Bank. Um, I was all over the place, the Arthritis Foundation. Um, and I would manage their fundraising programs. And then I had my first child and became a stay-at-home mom. And I gained enough experience that I was like, I'm ready to go out on my own. So I started a business and partnered with someone and started up a, um, it was called Health Billing Solutions. And we did billing in all the financials for mental health providers for their patients. And I kind of carried that through for a while. And then I had a friend whose kids got head lice. And it's always like when there's a need, if that makes sense. That's every time I've seen a need is kind of when I've started up a business. And same with the mental health. Like it was an area that the billing was a little bit different than other industries. And we're like, let's kind of make a niche and then we'll just deal with mental health providers. Because sometimes you got to recognize too, if you spread yourself too thin, then you can't do as good a job as if you kind of hone in on one area. And so then my friend came to me and her kids had head lice and we decided to start up. We researched it. There weren't really services at the time. And also people health conscious, they don't want to put pesticides on their kids' heads. So we flew down to Florida and there was a woman by the name of Katie Shepard and she certifies individuals in what they call the Shepherd method. And it's an all natural stand by, strand by strand knit removal. And we started up a mobile service that we would travel to people's houses in the area. And like right from the get go, and we called ourselves Desperate Louse Wives. It was the time that that TV show was on Desperate Housewives. The thing blew up immediately. And we were literally working around the clock. Like I felt like it was a doctor on call because like parents would call you and they like, you felt like so bad. They'd be calling you bawling like, oh my gosh, please, you have to come out now. Like, so it was like all over the place. And then at the time there were some changes going on in my family and I felt like, okay, I need something that's a little bit more stable. I can't be all over the place. So that's when I got, I decided to become certified as a teacher and I loved entrepreneurship. So I got certified to be a high school business teacher. And I was like, this is great. I will be able to infuse like kind of like teachers did with me at Stoneham High School. Um, Deb Deacon was the DECA um, teacher. Like, and to this day, like so many great memories around that. I'm like, I want to be able to influence kids and change lives and let them know that, you know, I think as a society, sometimes we're brought up in this environment, like you have to go get a job, right? Or you have to choose a career path. And it's like, I have changed and remorphed myself in my career so many times because life is short and no one should be stuck in one job or one career if they're not truly happy. But I think some people are nervous, like fear can be paralyzing for people to make that change or that step. Um, so I totally understand and respect that. But there's ways that you can also get to that point by taking baby steps instead of just making the decision overnight. So I got certified to be a high school business teacher. At the time, I also got certified to be a math teacher because I had a ton of coursework in math having my MBA. And then I had a friend contact me and say, oh my gosh, a teacher just went out yesterday. And because I was running my own businesses, I had flexibility. We need a certified teacher to cover for this health teacher tomorrow. Can you come in? And I had also taught aerobics. So I was like, sure. I had some fitness background. I had American Fitness Association background and I had done coaching and different things. So I went in the next day and then a month later, we found out she was going to do an early retirement. So the principal came to me and he's like, if you want to go take, you know, the test specifically for phys ed, family and consumer sciences, he said, um, and apply for the jobs. So I did, I applied for the job. So I've been in Melrose now seven years teaching PE and wellness. And it's funny how we go back to how every experience leads you to like the current moment you're in and what the future holds. Because I can remember being in Mr. Lahiff's class in high school, and we were doing CPR. And I'm like, this guy is getting paid to do something that is changing lives. Like, oh my gosh, this is huge. Because I've always been one that thinks outside the box. I'm not your typical, like history is a lot of like remembering dates and times and places. And my personality struggles with that. I'm kind of all over the place. So it was funny because here I thought I was looking to be a high school business teacher, a math teacher, but then organically it happened that I became a phys ed and health teacher. And it's been such a blessing because 
more than ever, kids' social health, emotional health are just, if not more important than their physical health, especially in a time when there's a pandemic. And so I get the blessing to be able to be in the classroom and talk to kids about the health triangle and what wellness really means. Because we grew up in a time that you think of wellness being being physically active and eating healthy. Like we didn't hear much about your mental health and your social health. And it's really important to have what we call like a balanced health triangle that all three areas of your health, your physical, mental, and social health are in check. And that you're giving each one time, not just exercising for 30 minutes, but what are you doing every day to be mindful so you can be in a good space mentally? What are you doing, especially during a pandemic to make sure you're staying socially healthy? So uh, here I am at Melrose teaching that in the classroom. And then with all my energy, I get to teach middle school students phys ed. And often you'll find me jumping in whatever the game is that they're playing. And like, it's funny, we kind of co-teach because it's one space. So some of the other phys ed teachers sometimes will joke around and they're like, all right, Miss Nardone, who's the student participating in the activity? Because I'll be like, pass the ball. Like I'm known to like jump into whatever the kids are doing. Um, so then, um, and then it was funny. I don't know if you have ever seen the show Shark Tank. Yes. So I don't watch a lot of television at all. I just, I'm active. It's hard for me to sit still. That's the one show that I can sit there and watch episode after episode after episode. And so somehow, some way I'm like, I'm, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to be on the show <laughs> someday. So um, I heard Mr. Wonderful was coming to, I, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce it right. The Cavalier or the Chevalier Theater in Medford. So my sister's like, let's get tickets. Let's go hear him speak. And I was like, okay. So we went to the theater, heard him speak. And it was so funny because you know, kind of how he presents, like he's a hardball, a little bit edgy on the show. He's the opposite in person. He's actually like, so like warm and fuzzy. And he shared a lot about his own personal stories with his family. And so he was offering like a real estate type. Um, it wasn't selling like houses on the market. It was more like how to, invest in real estate and um, wholesale and do off market um, transactions. So I'm like, Oh, I had never even really given that much thought. I'm like, Oh, this is kind of interesting. So I decided to sign up for the thing that he's doing. And then it kind of led me down this path where I first started helping families that maybe had to sell quickly, either because there was um, a death in the family, a job loss, and they, for whatever reasons, they didn't want to go on market and sell. And then organically, sometimes I would go on appointments and I'm always about, you always have to do what's in the best interest of the person. All right. Like I'm all about, not about a sale or making money. It's about people helping people. Like I truly believe in life. That's one of the most in thing from a human basic nature is just love and kindness and respect. So when I would go to these houses, I would say to them, it's in your best interest if you can sell on the retail market. Like I don't like if you want to sell off market, I can make that happen. But if you can sell on the market, let's get you the most money possible for your house. Like I'm all about advocating for my clients. So then I was like, you know what? I recognized there was a need for me to get my license. So I got my license and I started selling and it's been awesome. Like it's not work because I absolutely love it. I love meeting people. I love hearing their stories. I love hearing what their goals are and helping them reach it. It like, this is the stuff that fires me up at the end of the day. Like I'm like, even though I'm selling houses, it has nothing to do with helping people buy and sell houses. It's about people connecting to people, finding out where they're at, where they want to go and helping them orchestrate that. It's comes back to me like tenfold when I'm able to help a family and just get a note from them or a text or a call and let them know how I was able to make a difference in their life. And um, so it's been absolutely amazing. And, um, and so I'm continuing down that journey. I, um, I actually hold my license at, it's called City Light Homes with Peter Solaris. He was on the show Flipping Boston on A&E. And he and his partner, Rob, they're unbelievable mentors. Everybody in the office is awesome. And I always say, I sometimes have people call me that are in real estate. They're like, I don't understand. I see everything you're doing, like how I've been doing this, but it's not happening. But I'm always like, the first thing that you have to do is just take action and talk to people. Like I, yesterday, this is hilarious, was in Home Depot and I was in Waltham. I had an appointment with a homeowner in Waltham and I had to run to get something at the Home Depot. 
So I asked them, I said to this young gentleman that was working there, he's probably in his early twenties. I said, Oh, do you have any lock boxes? I needed a couple extra ones for my real estate business. And he's like, Oh yeah, they're an aisle 12. He goes, are you a realtor? I said, I sell real estate. Yeah. I help homeowners buy and sell properties. And he's like, I've always wanted to do that. But like, I just don't, I'm like, I'm like, give me a phone number. <laughs> this is how I am. I'm like, I'm going to text you when I get home. His name was Winston. And he's like, really? And I was like, yes, you can do this. You can do anything you put your mind to. You absolutely can do this. I said, give me your phone number. I said, I went ahead, gotten my real estate license, researched um, like the best programs in the state. And I found one, his name's Mike Sheehan and he's out of um, Westford. Unbelievable. And believe not that like, you know, sometimes I think what happens to people face a failure and then they, that's it. They don't get back up. And that's the difference when sometimes people are successful versus some people that feel like see, it's that whole thing. Does success happen by luck? And I totally don't believe it does. I think success happens by showing up day after day, even when you've fallen down. You know what? It's the people that get back up. So I said to him when I researched it, he had like a 70% pass rate on the exam where believe it or not, the state average is probably just above 50. It is a little bit tricky of an exam, but I told this young gentleman, I said, with that said, I don't care. Even if you don't pass on the first time, you're going to take the exam again. I want you to reach out to me and let me know that you signed up for the course. I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to be your accountability partner. Um, and so it's about that. Like, you know, here I am in the store and then it's, I do have this um, part of my personality that likes to connect with people and um, help them, whatever it is that they're doing, you know, and just one thing that I've learned that I've had a hard time with, which you might be able to tell for this podcast, I'm a talker. So I've had to practice listening to people and hearing what their needs are over my lifetime in like that day. Like I'm, I, the older I get, like anything, you kind of get better at it is like, like, wasn't about me getting the lockbox. Like, I honestly feel like, you know, God put me in that moment to maybe help this kid and send him down a direction that he might not have gone down otherwise because he himself maybe had some self-doubt but having this stranger tell him and taking his phone number and telling him that I'm going to be texting him because I want to make sure he's doing it like those are the difference that we as individuals can help which I it just that's what gives me energy every day and pumps me up and that's an incredible story I think and I can just tell the parallels between you as a teacher to being an entrepreneur there's so many parallels in the traits and the attitude you have to have to ensure the success of both. And you know, you just reaching out to that person at Home Depot is kind of the teacher in you saying, of course you can do it. Here, here's your step-by-step instructions. I'm going to hold you accountable because if you don't get that report card with that A, I'm going to keep doing it until then. So I think that attitude in general and being a teacher is helpful to your success and being an extrovert and being able to reach out and just talk to them. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about that, but I think you're true. And like, we all see kids too, um, that maybe aren't part of any organized sports programs in the middle school at that age. And we'll recognize they have talents and we'll pull them over and we'll say, you know what, you would be unbelievable. And I want to put you in touch with this coach at the high school. You need to be on the track team or you need to join the wrestling team. Or have you thought about doing this? Because it's just that one person, and that's been like going back to our Stoneham roots and the teachers that made a huge impact in our lives. It's, you know, that one seed being planted. And then sometimes it's not just that one seed, but it's the people that, you know, sprinkle a little water on it and shine some sunlight on it. And like, it goes back to that whole metaphor too, of like taking a plant and putting it in the window and giving it sunlight and, you know, watering it and then taking a plant and just putting it in the corner of the room what's going to, what's the difference going to be happening. And that's the t- same with our minds and our souls and our hearts. It's, you know what, when you can water other people and what that's when they really grow. Um, and it doesn't mean it's someone in your house hold. It can be anyone that you've come in touch with. And just your entrepreneur attitude in general, you see the opportunities everywhere you go, not just in yourself, but it looks like you see it in everybody. Just someone saying, Oh, I want to do real estate. You see the opportunity and you're like, just go for it. Here's your connections. And I think that's hard for a lot of people because they just don't know the steps to take or they don't have that connection or, you know, it's tough because they come from a family who don't, who doesn't know everybody or um, it's It's so that you say that Alison, because one thing that I've always said, and it's funny because I'm 48, I act like I'm 20 because I want to do so many different things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to take advantage of every minute is that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, over the next, you know, two to 10 years, I started a business 
being like a business coach of helping people. It's almost like a life coach um, because I do feel like that is a gift that I have is that I could, someone could come to me and I'd be like, what are the things you like to do? Like, let's talk about what makes you happy. And then it's like, all right, this is and almost like meeting with them, like, you know, every week or once a month. And it's like, all right, this is what I want you to do. Go look at these things. Come back to me in a month from now, whether it's helping them start a business and telling them these are the steps you need to take. These are the people you need to talk to, because I do think we all need that person. And I've been really blessed with mentors in my life over the years. Um, even like my first job I worked with was woman, Carol Caldwell, that she's now been since passed away amazing, amazing role model and mentor in my life. And then um, in between like doing the billing business and the life business and teaching, I had done the books for a company in Wakefield called Pastoria Associates. And actually there are two kids, one lives beside me and one lives three doors up. And um, they brought me in and I was like a finance manager for them, did their payroll and taxes and everything. And um, in their dad, Carmen was an unbelievable mentor to me and helped me in so many ways. And I've found that in every workplace, it, like even now this opportunity working with Peter and Steve and a gentleman in their office, um, Rob, the three of them, just unbelievable support system. Um, and it's like paying, like when you have that and you recognize that, pay it forward, right? I always say, um, reach down and reach up, pull people with you in life, no matter what it is that you're doing. So like even now with the real estate, I've been blessed and I've had a lot of success. So I'm now at the point that I'm building a team under me. And there's people that I recognize because I had someone in that believed in me that I'm where I'm at, that there's people that I've reached out to that I believe in that I want to give them an opportunity to experience some of the success and learn the things that I'm learning. Cause even if they don't stay in real estate, they are going to acquire skills that are going to, that's going to help them later in life. So it's like, you know, reach up, but reach down. That is just, if not more important to bring that next person with you in life and just pay it forward. And I think that attitude as a business owner, as you become successful, you still have to stay humble because you never know the people you meet and how you can change their lives and how you can connect. So just knowing that you're still open to learning new things, meeting new people, even though how successful you are, you have, there's always something new out there. There's always something, a person who can change your life, even if it's just a talk on the elevator and you're going up to the third floor and all of a sudden you meet that person. I think that's hard for people who want to be entrepreneurial, but just don't have the confidence to reach out. And, you know, they could be behind the scenes, just creating the product. But when it comes to owning your own business, it it's hard probably to having to network all the time and always have that positive attitude and reach out to everybody consistently. But I, you know, it's, it's tough for me, it would be tough for me. But here I am doing this, and I'm meeting so many people from Stoneham that I never met in my lifetime. Yeah. So like, I always say too, like success is outside your comfort zone. Right. So it's interesting because I know like here, people hear me talk socially, you'll like people, like I present as an extrovert, which I think I, I'm an extrovert, but sometimes I have an easier time getting up in front of people speaking than I have say working a crowd. All right. So although I'm an extrovert, there are times that I'm uncomfortable, but it's those times that you have to make yourself vulnerable and uncomfortable, right? Because otherwise it's going to shy you away from something that could be really unbelievable for you. And I think it starts to happen organically. Like, I don't think, you know, maybe when you're first starting out or whatever, putting yourself out there, but then it just kind of happens. Like, do you know what I mean? Like even me, Elson, talking to you, like I could think of five people when we get off the hair that I'm like, oh, I'll put in touch with Elson or I'll have Elson reach out to them. Just making the connections between people that you don't even have to go look for connections. So like, let me give an example with the real estate. Like I went on a call um, in Revere like two weeks ago and now it's led, like I met with this one family and now it's led into like three or four different other, helping other people buy and sell just from one call that I went on, um, just the comfortability that the family had with me. And, you know, and I'll be honest, I put a ton of work into doing market analysis and make sure when I'm helping someone list their house, that this isn't something that I'm like, okay, I'll sell your house. Like I put hours in before I even show up at the house to make sure that I'm doing my due diligence. Um, because you, you, when someone's paying you to give them a service, you want to do thorough and then go above and beyond. But that's like, even you with this podcast, like it, you know, at first when you're starting something out, it can be intimidating and fearful, but then once you start moving forward, it's kind of like, um, 
that fire that starts with the spark and then it grows into this roaring fire because all of a sudden it's all these connections are being made just from one spark that you started. Okay. And that's what it's like for a business owner when you first start, whatever it is. And I always say, um, do it scared, do it afraid, do it anyways, and put it out to the world that you're doing it. Um, don't try and like be like humble about it or be like, I don't want to tell anyone yet that I'm doing this. Just be like, this is what I'm doing. And then like, figure it out. And guess what? People are going to be cheering you on and they're going to be like, oh my gosh, I want to help you. Like even this Elson getting off. I'm like, all right, I'm going to email Elson. We'll get off of you. I'll give her like a list of names of other people that I know that she can interview. So if you're listening to this and there's something that you want to do, just have a leap of faith, put yourself out there, talk to that one person. And I promise you it will grow from there. And that's so true because um, myself, you know, as a teacher, I can speak to a thousand kids just easily. But when it comes to adults, I don't know what it is. I just tense up. And after doing this, it's almost been a year, actually half a year. I was deathly afraid of talking to the public. I, I just couldn't do it. So this year we have a um, big service for confirmation kids. If you're Catholic, it's like a kind of graduation service. And my colleague asked me, do you want to say the opening message? And I froze. I was like, me? Can I just stay behind the scenes and do all the uh, data collecting in the emails? And she's like, you know, I'm, I'm empowering you because you're the one who ran the whole program. You put it together. Your name is on everything. And I was like, as much as I wanted to say no, I was like, you know what? It's time. You just got to do it. And it was three ceremonies. I was like, can it just be one and be done? And I'll just pass out in the end. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the first ceremony I did it, I was really nervous, stumbled, mumbles. My legs are shaking. Second ceremony, I did it. I was like, okay, this is all better. Breathe. Just look down. You don't have to look at anyone. But by the third ceremony, I was like, okay, this is not a big deal. You can do it. You talk on the microphone. You talk to everybody. You put your name out there. This is fine. And I did it. And now it gives me the confidence, not that I'm going to go and talk to thousands of adults again, but I know I can do it. I know yeah. I, I did it. I was fearful. It's one of my biggest fears, but I said, you just got to do it. And so. then each time you do it, like you saw, you can breathe a little bit more. It gets a little bit easier each time. <clears throat> right. And I was like, who knows who's listening to me? It's early 9 a.m. Anyways, I don't they hear what I'm saying. So <laughs> I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to succeed in how we look to society that it makes us fearful and not do it. And being an entrepreneur, you just have to have that positive attitude and just know that you have the confidence, whether you fail or not, to just continue and continue to put your name out there and not be um, shy about the product you're selling or whatever the business you're selling, because it's what you put your heart and soul into. Yeah. And I think too, recognizing that not everyone's going to understand either, like, especially maybe family um, or close friends, because a lot of us have grown up in environments where it is that Monday through Friday, nine to five. So sometimes I think people can look at us and be like, oh my gosh, you crazy lady, right? You know, like all over the place. And it's like, okay. And then after a while they get used to it and they're like, all right, now I understand like that's who you are. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's that too. Um, that doing it for you, not anyone else is what's going to keep you going. Because often in life, no matter what it is, we let all those little voices talk to us, right? In people's opinions. And at the end of the day, staying true um, to where you feel like you're being called, I think is really important. And, and yeah, Sorry. And it just, I think your attitude, the way you're positive all the time, it just helps. I think people feed off the positive energy in general. I know. So it's interesting because like, I purposely don't turn on the television. Um, and I gotta be honest, like the couple times that I have, even over the past year, like listen to your body and how it's making you feel. And then if you feel like, you know, negative or I don't know that icky feeling, I don't know how to explain it. Shut that noise out. And even like, if you have like, you know, it's unbelievable. Like we've been, like I said, in the classroom talking to the kids a lot about mindfulness and just different ways to be mindful and maybe meditate, especially in the world that we're living in when we're feeling a little anxious, a stress. And one thing that came up, which I'm just going to share because it's been super helpful. Like I learn by teaching also the kids teach me a ton. And then because we're coming up with different ideas and then I kind of adopt what I'm teaching, especially in a subject like health. It's not like your other subjects where you have set textbooks like we have standards and stuff but it's a little bit different so we introduced what we called and I love this hot chocolate breathing so we tell the kids if you're feeling anxious or stressed 
just pretend that you're like smelling hot chocolate. You're holding a cup of hot chocolate. And when you breathe in through your nose, you're smelling the hot chocolate. And when you blow out, you're cooling it off. And just think about how that makes you feel the smell, the warmth of holding the cup. And then you don't, you start to realize because you're focused on this. All of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I feel so relaxed. Then of course I'm craving a cup of hot chocolate, but we've been like introducing that color breathing. And these things are like important even as adults, because we are full of anxieties and stress, not from the world we're living in, but just even managing everyday life, managing your kids' schedules, your schedule, the food shopping, the housework, the outside, right? It can start to pile on that people can get overwhelmed. So it's like even having those small things that bring you a little bit respite, rest, relaxation, I think it's super important, even as we get older, to practice those even more so than we were than when we're younger. And I think that's super important too, um, you know, for entrepreneurs, because a lot of us don't have set schedules. So like, I've always got up before work and exercised. I, my colleagues can tell if I have not done three miles before I get to work because my energy is like, and then I drive everybody crazy. It's kind of through the roof. So I kind of have to like go do that just to get myself. So I'm like peace and calm, you know, when I walk through the door, so I'm not walking in like, Oh my gosh, the alarm went off late and I'm all disheveled, you know? Um, and just like adopting the things like, and like another thing, like, I don't know, I, um, I do look at a devotional every day and read a little bit of scripture, like before bed. It's just like, even there's certain music that I listen to that grounds me. Um, and it is important to not necessarily, you know, you know, to try and eat healthy, um, because food can affect the way we feel right. Um, our stomachs and I'm not saying like sometimes even in health class, like we'll teach the kids it's about eating healthy and in moderation. Of course, you're going to have ice cream. You're going to have the cookie. You're going to have that stuff. Why not? You need to enjoy yourself, but it's not eating McDonald's around the clock and soda and stuff like that. And it is important to take care of yourself first and foremost, because if you are taking care of yourself, you can't do anybody else any good and you can't be successful in whatever it is that you're trying to do. If you're burning, you know, the wick at both ends and you're running yourself ragged. And, and I, I won't, we've all been there. We've all done it. Um, I met fault to doing that too, running myself ragged, but just trying to stay grind, grounded and mindful is super, super important. Just having that attitude, I'm sure feeds off to your employees, the way you run your company and how you manage it. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more on how you manage your companies, the up and down and how um, things have been happening in terms of COVID? Yeah. So right now I'll be honest with you. Um, so I had a business partner and we like for whatever reasons decided that we would go off on our own. I think that's a thing to recognize too. I've had a couple business partner and somebody once said to me, business pa partners are for dancing, not for business, but you do have to recognize when you want to go into something with a partner. Um, it almost isn't like your own business because you have to come to consensus on everything you're doing. So it is a little bit more liberating and freedom. And we both came to the point that we realized we both are entrepreneurs and we have our ways of thinking of how we want to do things. So we both work in the same office under City Light Homes, but we both run our business separately and we've maintained a great relationship. And um, so I'm since that I'm at the point right now where I'm growing a team under me. So I have had businesses where like the life business where I've had a bunch of people under me. And I think, and this is how, like, um, when you have your real estate license, a lot of people don't know this, you have to work under a broker unless you're a broker yourself. And so I work under Peter Solaris at City Light Homes. And, you know, Peter's philosophy, which has always been mine, is family first, right? Life is short and your kids need you. And um, I think when you work or you run a business where it's family oriented, and no questions asked, like if you need to take care of something going on with your family or one of your kids or yourself, like that's first and foremost, as long as you're getting your work done, especially when you're running a business, because it isn't nine to five, you have to have trust in people and you have to um, treat them with how you'd want to be treated. I think that's super important, especially where I have worked for larger corporations where things are so structured. And I think the world that we live in right now, that um, landscape's changing a little bit with people working remotely and realizing, wow, these folks can work from home and be just as, um, like get just as much done, if not more, right? Um, and it's just, you know, not treating people like, I, like their kids, like treating them like they're adults and trusting that they're going to get done what they need to done, get done. And I think that's super, super important. Um, so that's kind of like been the way my mojo always is just treat people the, the way you want to be treated and give them space and give them respect and give them your trust and 
take it from there. And also like that whole thing, um, sharing what you know, knowledge is power. And if you help somebody else grow, it's going to help you grow as well. But just from the, um, the landscape of the COVID, just from a real estate perspective. So it's been interesting this year because when COVID first hit, we kind of sat back for a little bit um, with what we could and couldn't do with real estate. We are right now doing open houses, but everything's socially distanced. Everybody has a masks, gloves, can't take your shoes off and put booties on. And we usually like, if it's a two-story house, we'll bring one family in, they can look at the top, the other family at the bottom, switch them, the next two people in. It is a crazy market right now. It's a seller's market. The prices are higher than they've ever been. The interest rates have been historically low. Um, and it's been a little bit more tricky for buyers, but I do believe that's where a talented real estate agent comes in because there are ways that you can um, be seen and let your offer be the one that gets accepted. And that's when it's really important lining yourself with the right real estate agent. And I think to be a successful real estate agent, like I said, it's establishing relationships, not just having the relationship with your client and the homeowner or whoever it is that you're working with the buyer seller, but the other real estate agents, right? Like advocating on your client's behalf and knowing how to negotiate for them and just keeping all the channels like open, like open communication and just being understanding and asking the right questions, I think is super and so super important. Um, the real estate market's continuing to go strong. I am seeing just in the last week, a trend with the interest rates. They're starting to creep up now a little bit. I had a home buyer that had a rate, a pre-approval of a 30-year mortgage at 2.75. By the time we locked in, it went up to 3.37. So there are a little bit, we are starting to see those small changes take place. I do think that there will be a correction in the market at some point. I think we're still a little bit of distance from that right now. So the friends is going to continue for a while longer, but it just kind of makes it exciting. <laughs> it does. And I think, you know, when COVID hit, I think a lot of people recognize companies recognized as well that their employees can work from home and people may be thinking, Oh, maybe we need a bigger house or um, unfortunately we lost a house. We need to downsize. Um, so it seemed like COVID itself, in addition to that, people decided, you know, they got unfortunately got laid off and decided to bring up their own company or start something anew and they needed a new house that uh, accommodated to their needs as well, especially people who are making jewelry, crafting, in the arts. Um, do you see the market kind of staying the way it is or do you think it's going to die down after COVID's over and people are now situated in kind of a more long-term yeah. situation? So I think a couple things. Like, definitely, like, so many people want to be in and around Boston, like close proximity for folks that worked in town and now that they can work remotely. And a lot of these companies are telling the employees like long-term, like it looks like some of them won't go back. Like there'll be more shared space in an office. So even the format and layout of houses, I think, you know, we went through a decade or so ago with that open concept that we see in a lot of houses and now it's the home office, right? I don't think that's going anywhere. I think that's here to stay. I do think there will be some type of trend where some commercial real estate in Boston and inner cities will be repurposed. Um, and that's going to be interesting to see. I think we could see some trends in housing looking maybe a little bit different for those 20 somethings, um, some creative type, cool housing that will, that will populate up in the cities. Maybe a tiny home here and there. Um, not even a tiny home. <laughs> like I kind of almost see like some of the commercial space in the Boston area. I could actually see, it almost being an extension of what college life was like, like four kids to a room with bunk beds and some really cool space. Like I'm curious to see, and I don't know, I'd love to get in on that. I think we're going to see some repurposing of space. Um, as far as like what's going on with the market right now, I do think with some of the relief acts that we have seen, um, some of the forbearances that we have seen with the bank, the extensions of the mortgages are tacking them on the back end. There are folks staying afloat. I do look at the number of pre-foreclosures in different areas. The numbers are increasing, okay? Um, and they continue to. And at some point we are going to have to probably see, and it's really unfortunate, I do think we will see some you know, pre-foreclosures. We are seeing the pre-foreclosures, more foreclosures, more short sales. I think we're about, if I had to, guesstimate I would say it's about 12 to 18 months from that point from where we're at right now but especially with the interest rates and we're seeing gas prices like things are starting to shift we haven't seen much of a shift yet in the inventory it will pick up a little bit with the spring and summer and people getting out more as the restrictions are being um, relieved a little bit um, with what the public's able to do 
in just now that we have the vaccine, but there will be a correction. Um, we will definitely see more houses popping up, lower prices, but I'd say we're a good 12 to 18 months away from that right now. That's not something that's going to necessarily happen like overnight. Right. And what do you think about like, in general, I noticed Stoneham's just building upon building of new condos. What are your thoughts about that in terms of, um, you know, some people say Stoneham's becoming the new summer bowl. Yeah, I know. So um, I know it's interesting too, because we're China moon. Um, <laughs> China moon's like a landmark in Stoneham. If you're listening to this, um, everybody's been to China moon and I, I love the folks there. Again, it's that whole hometown Um like even so, you know, not to get too personal, but even my dad used to go eat at the counter there every night when he got off duty, being a police officer, um, to the point we got to be friends with everybody in the restaurant. So when my dad passed away, they all came to the weekend funeral. Like that's the type of town Stoneham is like, you know, the people sitting at the tables and that are at the bar and they become friends and they become family. But, um, I was wondering if condos or townhouses would go move in there if it was, if it was, um, zoned for that. But, um, yeah, like, you know, especially the condos and townhouse market, there's less landscape now. What's happening is there's a, there's these towns and cities in this area, there's no more landscape to build new homes, single family homes. So what's the next thing people are going to do? They're going to look at where they can put up townhouses and when they can put up condos. And right now the housing market is probably stronger than let's say the retail market, because a lot of small business owners, businesses have been suffering because a lot of people have been afraid to go out over the past year. So they've moved to online buying, like people have shift their buying habits. So as some of these spaces go out, if they are multi-purpose and the zoning permits, I do think we will see in some of these areas, townhouses and condos going up, um, especially from an investor's standpoint. I hate to say it, if they're able to put up condos or townhouses they're go per square foot, they're going to probably make more money than if there was a single family home there. So I do think we're going to see that trend continue. And even like, you know, if you're on any of the community pages, you can't even get um, a homeowner daily. I see, does anyone, I need my bathroom redone. I need tiling done. Does anybody know an electrician, a plumber? Like right now there's been a lack of folks going into the trade. So if you're young and you're listening to this, that's an opportunity. I always say when there's a need, there's an opportunity. So where's the need right now? It's in the trade. So there's an opportunity. So I feel like, you know, even from an educational standpoint with colleges and everything online, college is going to look a little bit different in the future than it did when we went to school. I'm almost thinking that we'll see more online in virtual college than ever before, um, just because we've had to adapt to that in the last year. And even students that have gone away, I know a lot that have come home because it wasn't the traditional college experience that they're paying for. So we're going to continue to see these shifts in um, education and job opportunities that's going to affect the commercial space, all right, that's going to affect the housing market. So those trends are going to be interesting, um, but I definitely see more condos and townhouses popping up. It's funny you talk about the trades because we, we ourselves are looking at a house, but then it comes down to it. It's just, can we afford the house? Can we afford the, like anybody, can we afford everything that needs to be fixed every so many years? Who can you trust to fix it? Can we fix it ourselves? So, you know, we thought about a condo and with a little guy at home with us, it's like, well, then we kind of sacrifice the yard and then we sacrifice having a pet. And there's so many options now. And in the townhouses are great, but then you're paying for this, which you could buy a house. It's just, it's incredible, the options, but then it's like, what do you do? Yeah, I know. It is one of those things when I sit down with a home buyer, I'm like, okay, let's talk about like what your criteria is, like what you're looking for. And some people it's both. Like I've had some buyers that it's like, I want you to send me the listings for single family homes that meet this criteria, but I also want to look at the townhouses and condos. And I think in this market, like you actually don't have a choice, but to get pre-approved. And if anybody's listening to this, they want to get pre-approved. I know a couple unbelievable people that can help them with that. Cause again, it's about networking, but I know two gentlemen that I work with all the time that are awesome. And, um, and they will help you get pre-approved. So, you know, you know what you can afford and, you know, you need to take into consideration and this is when you're working with a really good real estate agent, knowing what are the closing costs? Like, it's not just the mortgage, it's the taxes, it's the insurance. It's um, like you said, budgeting the money of what you might need for home repairs. The thing with the condo and townhouses, sometimes the HOA or the condo fee like goes up and 
some people that's a little scary not having control over that but then there's some folks that are like i never want to mow a lawn in my entire life so i will pay every penny to have that done like so it is like a balancing act and again i feel like it's like just keeping yourself open and how it's supposed to play out it will play out right and i think that's the hardest thing because our needs change over time and you know even with the pandemic no one thought it would happen and now everyone's needs are different and now i need a bigger house because i'm working from home now i need this because I created my own company. Now we need this because we're always outside and we need more room because we bought so many outdoor toys. Yeah. I know. So that's great. No, thank you for that help. I mean, I think it's hard just for anybody buying a house. It's scary. And having a realtor like you just looking out more for the client than the sale is, again, parallel to you being a teacher. Just have, looking out for that client and the best interest and supporting them and knowing that they can trust you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, and I live that out both when I'm helping buyers and sellers, like I'll say to my sellers sometimes, like, you know, it's not always the highest offer that you get is the best offer. There's so much more to look at than just that. Right. Um, and, and on the, like, sometimes like from a seller standpoint, you know, does the per person have the proper financing? Is the bank going to praise it? Cause right now there's like these bidding wars that what's happening is the bank might come in, we're seeing and do the appraisal and it's not getting appraised at what the offer's for. So is the buyer going to make up the difference between the two? Do they have the money, the money available to do just that? Like we're in an industry right now where people are waiving inspections, like the things that are going on right now are a little bit crazy. And then and even from a buyer, like recognizing and educating them, just so you know, this property is in a flood zone, which is okay. But so you know, you're going to have to pay for flood insurance on top of that. And for some people, they're okay with that. Other people, that's a little scary. And just having the understanding and educating them about it, I think is super, super um, important. I agree. And I think it's tough because you, for someone my age, I see so many people buying houses and I'm like, how do they do it? How do they do it? And I think, you know, it's just, it's where you're comfortable with. And for anybody working with an agent, you want to be comfortable in your decision and not be pressured. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and when you think about it, like when an agent still, this is such a personal decision, right? And this is your life. This is where you're going to live. This is where you're going to bring up your family. Finances are involved. It's really having someone that you can talk to and communicate with that you feel super comfortable with because sometimes there's decisions to be made and you're sitting there with a decision between like two spouses and, you know, just kind of being a good listener during all that and supporting them because sometimes you and your spouse might not be on the same page too, right? Um, so I think that's super important. If anybody's listening to this, and I always say to folks, whether they want to sell their house and they're just trying to get ideas, I'd be more than happy to talk to anyone. If anyone's looking to buy and they need an agent, I'd be more than happy to work with anyone listening to this. And it has to be a good fit for both. So I have no problem. Like if somebody wants to work with me and they're like, I don't know, I'm like, talk to other people. Like this is the biggest decision of your life you're ever going to make. It's so much money. So some people will just like put a sign up, sell their house and they don't give it much thought. I'm like, go ahead, interview a couple of people, talk to a couple of people, like work with the person that you feel super comfortable with. I think is super, super important to, you know, tell homeowners or folks that are looking to buy that, you know, this is a big deal. Don't feel stressed or pressured. You shouldn't like, this is a big, big decision. I don't ever like to discount that at all. And I think people just need to hear that from someone in the industry, knowing that there's someone out there they can trust rather than just thinking all agents are just money hungry. They're just trying to flip your house anyways. You know, they just want to get the sale. So just hearing that in general, it just makes me feel better because you know, there's an agent out there who's a good fit for you. Yeah. And there are, I mean, obviously I'm on here talking, there are many agents like myself. Um, and like I said, it's talking to a couple and finding the right fit for you, I think is super, super important. Awesome. Well, Kim, thank you for being on the show. Do you want to tell us the name of your company and how to get in touch and the best way to contact you? Right. So like right now, the best way to contact me, if you're emailing me, it would be Kim Kearns Nardone, K-I-M-K-E-A-R-N-S-N-A-R-D-O-N-E at gmail.com. Or you could do KimKearnsNardone.com. It will bring you to um, my business page, but I also run a blog. I'm on Instagram as Kim Kearns Nardone and Facebook, Kim Kearns Nardone, but I run a blog called Greater Boston Lifestyle and I have it on Facebook and I have it on Instagram. I love talking to small business owners, promoting their business, where the best restaurants are, um, where you're buying your candy for Easter, if you're doing Easter basket and just helping 
um, small business owners promote their business and helping pay it forward. So if you want to check that out, you can, you'll learn, you know, where the best um, oven baked pizza is oven cooked. Like, I mean, I try and change it up all the time and, and I get introduced people. I written, I just recently discovered, and I can't say enough about it. The remedy exchange in Wakefield mass. It's like the food is all like natural organic and, I went in there and I was like, oh my gosh, all right, this is my new place that I'm going to be doing takeout from. Um, so check that out. It's called Greater Boston Lifestyle. I do market updates on there too. When there's properties, I sell properties on and off market. I post it there. So sometimes, especially in this market, if you're a buyer, it will help you find a property that not the whole world knows about that's off market. That might give you a little bit of an advantage. So it's at Greater Boston Lifestyle. Check it out. And um, it's been a pleasure, Allison. If anybody wants to get in touch with me directly too, I'm always one of these people. You can call or text me. My number is 978 766 Two three two seven, and it's been an honor this morning to sit here and chat with you. That's awesome. So you guys know you can reach Kim anytime, day or night. She's always there. Or just run into Home Depot, and there she is. If you want to spot her somewhere else, um, always feel free to just say hello to her, and she'll be willing to help you with anything. Kim, thank you so much for being on the show. Just with you being so busy, I appreciate you supporting the podcast. This is Allison from The Locally Source, and today was Kim, and it's been a pleasure. I hope everybody has an awesome day.